0: here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you,
1: John, and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. I'm Mark Cravens, your host, and it's great to have you listening in today. And it's also great to have my good friend, Reverend Mark Sankey, here. Mark, welcome to today's podcast.
2: Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. It really is.
1: Yeah. And I. this is not a commercial, but the man does like La Rosa's pizza. I did oh, find that out. Oh, man. So. Oh, man. He's a true Cincinnati at heart. You probably like Skyline Chili, too. Skyline
2: Chili, yeah. La Rosa's, yeah, Frisch's.
1: <laughs> Greater's Ice Cream. Grater's Ice Cream. Yeah, the list can go on yeah. and on. But it's so good to have Mark. Mark and I have been friends for many, many years, and it's just a real honor to have him today. And friends, you're going to really appreciate what he's going to share in today's podcast and also next week's podcast, because we're probably going to need to do this in two parts to get the story in. But Mark has an incredible story of God's grace at work in his life. Mark has been a pastor for around 13 years. He's also served as a missionary for six years. Uh, he has served in missions administration for several years and has also been in Bible college administration. And so he's he's just done a lot of different things. And right now, Mark is traveling in holding revivals and speaking in churches around the United States. And uh, he's got a full slate, but uh, God is using him mightily. But he's got a powerful story to tell. And so, Mark, why don't you just kind of get us started here? Take us back and, and set the stage for what happened in your life that made such a tremendous impact upon you and your story that you share everywhere you go.
2: Well, thank you, Mark. It is a, a real joy for me to be able to share this story. I tell people uh, everywhere I go and when they ask to hear it, that it really isn't my story, it's God's story. And I, I mean that yeah, because right. it's it's really the only explanation mm-hmm. for it is God and His providence and mercy really in my life. But uh, So I was born to missionary parents in Honduras and uh, have, I guess, a, almost a, a genetic type Uh, Mm -hmm. connection to missions, Uh, my mom and dad, of course, being missionaries. And then uh, I pastored for a number of years Mm -hmm. and had opportunity to travel to various mission fields within our denomination. Mm -hmm. While I was traveling there, I remember writing an email to my wife, Melly, back in the States and saying, don't be surprised if we end up in missions at some point, because it just had gotten a hold of me just being in these, I was in South Africa at the time, and I was just so... Uh, compelled by what I had seen there and yeah, the work right, of missions. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, a few years later, um, we had been in uh, a church in Franklin, Ohio, a wonderful church, great family church, and things were going well. And um, uh, I remember being in a camp meeting in Pennsylvania and in a mission service. I was preaching that camp, but it was a missions service emphasis. And so the camp president and I were sitting in the congregation listening to a couple and uh, unexpectedly although I sh- shouldn't have it shouldn't have been uh, it shouldn't have been that way but unexpectedly God spoke to me while this couple is up doing their presentation for their mission uh, organization mm-hmm. and said, you're supposed to be in Mexico. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and I knew it. It wasn't one of those, you know, I don't have mm-hmm. these lightning bolt experiences. That's not, <laughs> that's not <laughs> the kind of person I am. I just, you know, I don't, I don't have those. Right, right. But it was as close to a lightning bolt experience, quote unquote, as I've ever had. It was yeah. just a very clear call. You're mm-hmm. supposed to be in Mexico. And Melody wasn't there with me that night. I went home and and told her that. And she she didn't scoff, but it was kind of like, well, you know, you you like to dream, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, don't we love <laughs> our we wives love our, are wives. our biggest fans. Yeah. Aren't they? Oh, well, you yeah. know,
2: she she has uh, she has kept my feet on the ground uh, <laughs> on sure, more I than one occasion. That completely. Yeah. But I was convinced. I mean, I knew I knew yeah. God had spoken, and I was convinced that was what I supposed I was supposed to do. But that's kind of how really it got started. Vis- visits to various mission fields where God just began to put. This desire and passion in my heart for global missions, mm-hmm. and as that grew, uh, then uh, then God spoke. You know, during that that mission service, very clearly, mm-hmm. and told me, you know, said, "This is where I want you to be," and uh, I've never really gotten away from that call. You know, that yeah. that I not just you know that specific call to Mexico, but right. just the call to missions in general, the world, mm-hmm. global yeah. missions. Yeah. It's a passion.
1: It probably will never go away. Yeah. I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've talked to people who have gotten bitten by the missions bug, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and when you when you start seeing the world from a global perspective, oh yes, and, and you get out of the bubble of the United States and you begin to see how God is working around the world, yeah. you, you're you are, you're changed for
2: life. No question, you're, you're
1: never going to be the same. Your world has enlarged. Your vision has enlarged like you become am i right or wrong you become more about the kingdom definitely because you realize that the kingdom is cross cultural it it it
2: crosses denominational barriers and so yeah it's well and i think you know that's everything you're saying is true and for me and maybe it was part of god's way of getting me ready to mm-hmm. accept his call but I was beginning to feel claustrophobic and looking around saying, "Lord, certainly is this isn't yeah. this isn't all there is." I mean, mm-hmm. I know it has to be more than just us four and no more. There has to be, you know, I'm something, you know, you're bigger than this. Your kingdom is absolutely bigger than this. Right. And and the mission trips I took as a pastor certainly opened me up to that and and then, of course, being on a mission field, and even taking mission trips, yeah, you know, yeah. people begin to realize, oh, you know, God's working all over the world; mm-hmm. He's busy mm-hmm. all over the world. Right? And that's exciting. Yeah, that's, that's exciting great.
1: to me. Well, so you went to you went to Mexico. I remember when you guys went to Mexico and took your little family down there. And yeah, I know a lot of people probably thought you were crazy.
2: <laughs> they did, you know, <laughs>
1: and it was not wise, but you did it. Yeah, and God really blessed your efforts there. So, Mark, I know there's so many things I'd love to talk to you about, but I want to now move into transition and tell us about what the event that took place, this life-changing event that you actually have written a book about. Um, I've got that copy. Thanks for the copy of the book, by the way. Sure. In Angel's Charge, A Missionary Survival Story.
2: Talk to us, Mark. Tell us about how this book came to be. One of the several things that our missions board had tasked us with when we went down was re-instituting or bringing back around some viable Mm -hmm. uh, Bible education for our Mm -hmm. pastors and young people. A lot of trial and error, prayer and fasting went into Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to do that. Uh, But finally, we settled on. We felt like God was leading us to do what we just called unofficially a traveling Bible institute, and we would travel to the various areas where we had churches in Mexico, all over from stem to stern, from the Texas border all the way to the Pacific Ocean, we had churches. And so we would travel around to these various locations and bring our professors and the textbooks, and the pastors were already there. The church served as classrooms, and you know, so we had young people Mm -hmm. there, pastors there, and we just traveled around. So uh, one of those one of those Bible Institute sessions took place in the geographical center of Mexico in a city called Salamanca in okay. the state of uh, Guanajuato. And we had lived there for a while when we first moved into Mexico, and then we moved up to Saltillo, which was closer to the border uh, for our second term. But we were back down in Salamanca in October of 2009 doing these Bible Institute mm-hmm. classes. Mm-hmm. And pastors from all over Mexico were there, uh, several from the U.S. had come down to help us teach the classes and so on, and uh, it was it was Friday, October the twenty third, two thousand and nine, and John Parker, who at that time was our missions president of our denomination, was down there, and it fell my lot to take him. He was leaving that day to go back home, and so I was going to take him to a bus station. Mm-hmm. In the very large city of Querétaro, which was about an hour to the east of Salamanca, millions of people, this huge city. He was going to get on a bus, and that bus was going to take him three and a half hours due south to the Mexico City airport. Mm -hmm. He'd get on a plane and go back to Easley, South Carolina, where he was living at the time. Mm -hmm. That was the plan. Right, right. And and so that's how this this really started, Uh, you know. It's early in the morning. It's still dark outside. My wife is, of course, still in bed and asleep. And our our kids, who were little at the time, they were still asleep. No one should be up at the time. You know, we were. It was early. Yeah, right, and right. So uh, John and I we met at the car. I remember telling Melody goodbye. I'll see her in a couple hours. You know, it's just going to be a quick trip over there, drop him off, and come back to finish up the day. And uh, so we got in the car, put his luggage in. He got in the passenger seat. I got in the driver's seat, and down the road we went. And uh, it was on a very well-constructed road. It was nothing wrong with the road itself, a four-lane highway, a grass median. The only thing I could say really about the road itself that would in any way be negative is just that it was very remote. After we left Salamanca, there was really, for the next 20 miles or so, there was nothing, no villages, no Mm -hmm. businesses, houses. That was just kind of a forlorn remote Mm -hmm. section of highway in the middle of Mexico. Did you have
1: any idea when you started that day, did you have any premonition, did you have any idea that this day was somehow going to be different than any other day in your
2: life? None whatsoever. Wow. None whatsoever. In fact, in the storms that I've encountered in my life, and there have been several, Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the signatures of those storms is the suddenness and, and the unexpectedness of of those storms just all of a oh, sudden the, so true, the rug being pulled out from underneath yeah. Yeah. you i had no no premonition nothing in fact the in the car that day john and i were just rejoicing we were we were happy we were smiling we were thanking god for answers to prayer that he had he had given to us that week it was just a very positive uplifting Mm -hmm. time in the car as we, as we traveled down the road, you know, we, and we're good friends. John is a dear, dear friend of mine. He's a, he's a a wonderful man of God. And, and Mm we, I call him now, we call each other blood brothers now for obvious reasons that will soon be made (laughs) obvious. But uh, John and I have traveled around the world together and we've gotten to be, you know, really, really dear friends. Uh, But no, the atmosphere couldn't have been more positive or optimistic in the car that morning as we drove down the road. Yeah. Well, on that note, we're going to take a break to hear from our sponsor, and
1: then we're going to come right back. And I want you to launch in to tell us what happened on that unforgettable I'm trip it. that day. I'd like to take just a moment to recognize one of our sponsors, and that's God's Bible School and College. God's Bible School and College is located in Cincinnati, Ohio, and for over 100 years, it has been sending out Christian workers, pastors, and missionaries literally around the world. God's Bible School and College is a fully accredited college offering both on-campus and online courses, great faculty, a great place to study and to know God's Word. So if you or someone you know is looking to go to Bible college and prepare themselves for the ministry God has called them to do, then please visit their website at www.gbs.edu. Again, that's God's Bible in School and College at www. Gbs.edu. Thank you, God's Bible School, for your sponsorship of the podcast. And now, back to our Hope Along the Journey podcast. So back to the story, Mark. You, you left that morning, you and John Parker, you had no premonition that anything was going to go wrong that day. So tell us now, what happened on that lonely stretch of road on that dark morning?
2: When we came to Mexico, we, our, our coming to Mexico coincided with the new Mexican president's coming to coming to power, Felipe mm-hmm. Calderón. And it was under his administration that the drug war really started and, and got out of control. So all over Mexico in various hot spots, there was just out-of-control violence, lawlessness in, in many parts of Mexico. And we were surrounded by it. But to be honest, where we were was not known at the time for any kind of drug violence wow. at all. But it mm-hmm. it was an era, and still is, but it was an era when there was a lot of violence that could happen at any time. Gotcha. And, and so that was the kind of the broader context of where we were. But anyway, so we're driving down the road, talking and just thanking God for all that He had done for us that week. And uh, we began to encounter, uh, I remember, looked like broken up pieces of concrete block. That's what it looked like. And I remember thinking maybe there was a flatbed truck in front of us that had lost you know, a yeah, few right, blocks and right. they had broken up. That's what it looked like. It wasn't that, but that's what it looked like to me. And they were all in the fast lane. I was headed, I was in the fast lane, maybe 70 miles an hour. And we didn't think anything of it. There wasn't any signal to us that there was danger approaching or anything. You know, you third world country, you see things in the road mm-hmm. all the time. You don't think anything really right. of it. It's just kind of the way it is. But so that my car wouldn't sustained damage, tires or undercarriage, I decided I would switch lanes because in the slower lane, the right lane, there didn't appear to be really any any rocks. So what I tell you from this point on, I tell you mainly from memories, John's memories, he was fully alert. Because you don't really remember a lot of this. Most of what I tell you, I don't remember. I have bits wow. and pieces, but what happened next, I have no memory of. Uh, as I started to switch lanes, three, at least three rocks were thrown from the side of the road. Again, it's very dark. We never saw anyone, but from the side of the road off to our right, uh, a number of rocks were thrown. Three of them hit the car. One of them glanced off the side view mirror of John's passenger door, the other off the top of his window on the body frame, the frame of the car, and the third came crashing through the windshield left of center uh, with a huge explosion and impacted my forehead. Uh, you can see the dent in my forehead yeah, looking at me right now. You know, That's the is still there. Yeah. Yeah. So huge impact, and again, not to be unnecessarily gross or crude, but just to explain how 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 bad things were. There was an immediate explosion of blood in the cab of that vehicle. I was immediately blinded, could not see. Oh wow! My hands fell lifelessly from the steering wheel. John thought I had been killed on impact, and he reached over instinctively and grabbed the steering wheel. Why, in the moment of impact, I wouldn't have just jerked the you know, jerk the wheel and us mm-hmm. go end over end into the median, I can only attribute to the, the grace and providence of God That's because right. my hands fell off, he grabbed the steering wheel, thought I was, thought I was dead, and then he realized I was still alive because he could hear my breath trying to find passage through my airways that were rapidly filling up with blood. So I was mm-hmm. rattling and gurgling and all the things that go along with someone who's dying, but he knew I was still alive because he could hear me trying to breathe. Right. And the second reason he knew I was still alive is because my left hand came up, I have no recollection of this, to my left eye um, to keep it in in its in its socket because oh my. it was evidently starting to come out. In a fraction of a second, my left eye orbit was completely crushed. My nose was completely crushed. My forehead had a huge cave in. John told me later that. There was just blood pulsing out of that huge wound in my forehead. Uh, and I was really, my forehead was the thing that stopped that rock. The rock was, I don't know, maybe about five or six inches in diameter, just a rugged piece of concrete. My wife has it somewhere. So you know. it's actually a piece of
1: concrete as well. It was a piece
2: of yeah. concrete or, or concrete right. asphalt or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just rugged piece of uh, something you could comfortably hold in a man's hand and and throw. So I don't know how fast the, the rock was coming in, but we were going 70 miles an hour, and my forehead stopped its trajectory, uh, and and that's where you know that's that's where it started. That's a miracle. I mean, you think about it.
1: You know, I I I remember because I I remember seeing the postings. I remember pictures yeah. even of yeah. you when you were there in the hospital. So. John for, fortunately John was with you and uh, oh, it's amazing yes. that he had presence of mind to do what he did did you ever see anybody i mean was did were you ever able to find out
2: who it was or or where those that rock came from we never saw anyone we found out later and this is the next part of the story this is where the miracles start mm-hmm. we found out later that we'd just been attacked by a roadside gang very notorious everyone else knew about them we didn't oh, have okay. any idea okay whose their modus operandi was to throw rocks at passing vehicles on that lonely stretch of highway, dark, no one around. And what they would do is when those vehicles pulled over to the side of the road to Mm -hmm. check for damage or whatever else, they would have men positioned along that highway, and they would rush the occupants of the Mm -hmm. vehicle many times, Mm -hmm. killing them, stealing their cars, their belongings, leaving them on the roadside dead. In fact, they killed a girl on that same stretch of road doing that exact same thing just two weeks after we went by them. Same stretch of road. Same stretch of road. That's so that's what they did. Yes. They they mm-hmm. they killed people and stole stole their cars and their belongings. Wow. So we didn't know that. We had no idea what had happened. No, just just there was no way for us to know. So we're driving down the road right after this and John's first thought, which is right 99.9% of the time, is get the car pulled over. Stop the vehicle. Course, you right, know, I'm right. incapacitated. I'm the driver. I can't mm-hmm. drive. So so that's what he wanted to do. I ask him, we talk every time we get together, John and I end up talking about this as you can imagine. <laughs> but the first time I said, "Well, why didn't you pull over?" You know, and he said, "Well, I couldn't." And I said, "Well, why not?" He said, "Well, there was a guardrail in the road." And I said, well, "What do you mean?" He said, "Yeah, there was a guardrail in the road, literally on the road, so that there was literally no place to pull off." So Isn't he's that amazing. So, so I mm-hmm. so I went back after I recovered. Yeah. I went back over that stretch of road, and can I tell you? I testify honestly to you, Mark, There, I drove that whole 30-mile stretch. There's no guardrail anywhere on that road. There's no guardrail where there's yeah. supposed to be one. There's mm-hmm. certainly no guardrail in the road. And all I can tell you is that God put a guardrail on the road that morning for John to see because had right. he pulled over, mm-hmm. neither one of us, I'm quite sure, would be alive to tell to tell the story. Wow, and, so, and that's just the beginning of uh, yeah. so many miracles in fact, I can't you know usually when people ask me to tell this, I talk as fast as I'm talking <laughs> yeah. now to try to get it all in, and it's about an hour, so you know there's some and even then, I yeah. can't get in all the little miracles that happen along the way, yeah, but that's the first of of several,
1: well, thank you, Mark, and we are going to uh, make this a two part podcast, and so we're going to uh, record this uh, next part and have it ready the following week but for those of you that are in or at I want you to I want to go ahead and mention the book in Angel's Wings a missionary survival story where can they find this book
2: the best way to do it is just to go to our Facebook either Melody okay. Sankey my wife M E L O D I E Sankey mm-hmm. or my my page Mark Sankey and ask us for it and we'll we'll get you the information you sure. can also go on Amazon Okay. And, and you can buy it there, too. Great. The book's on Amazon. All
1: right. And again, that's in
2: An Angel's Charge, A Missionary
1: Survival Story. It's a great book. And if you don't have a copy of this, you need to get a copy of this book. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all for today's podcast. We thank you for listening to Hope Along the Journey. And as always, remember that Jesus Christ is truly the hope of the world. And if you look to Him, He will give you the hope you're looking for along life's journey. God bless you. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.